like that. What's you up, everybody? Welcome that. to it's this like Wednesday flash, edition flash, of the Logan Blyman Show. First off, I would like to apologize before we really get into the quote-unquote meat and potatoes of today's episode. I completely, to me being 100% honest, I knew, I knew Sunday was Easter. I knew it. So I don't know why I thought that I would be able to record a show on Monday, or for Monday, because it's a holiday. I'm going to be spending the entire day, literally the entire day, with my family. There was no chance for me <laughs> to, to do anything on Sunday. And once we did finally have some free time, I was just so exhausted. And it wasn't like we did a whole a whole crazy day or anything filled with activities. I mean, the weather was crap. You didn't do the, the Easter egg hunt or anything like that. It was just a very crappy, stay inside type of day. But we got up early. We went to church. We came back. We ate lunch. Then we went over to my grandparents' house for a little bit. Like, it was a, a long day. It was a long day that started off at like 6.30 in the morning. And on a Sunday, no one's really wanting to get up at 6.30 in the morning, though you are obligated to on such days like Easter and Christmas and things like that. No one really wants to start their day off like that. And then when you go through a tired day of just eating and eating and eating, just gorging yourself, by the time you reach about 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock, you're ready for bed. You ain't really trying to stay up that late to try and record an episode of The Logan Blackman Show, no matter how many times people want you to record an episode of The Logan Blackman Show. And I, I can't sit here and say, I guess that's a lie. I guess I can't sit here and say that everybody's been clamoring and clamoring and clamoring for more Logan Blackman Show content. I guess I've not really had that. I, ho- I wish some people out there would go, man, what's up? Go, there, now, there are some. There are some, but I'm not sitting here and saying that everybody out there is saying, dude, Where's this uh, Where's this Monday edition of the Logan Blackman Show? Why is it not here? Again, there are some, but it doesn't happen that regularly. And then Thursday, as we said, we had a birthday. So, like, I couldn't do... The past two days, it wasn't because I was being lazy. I guess you could classify Sunday as being lazy, but it was a holiday, so I have an excuse. It's not like it was just some normal Sunday where I was just sitting around doing absolutely nothing all day, and those have happened before. But that wasn't this. I mean, I did sit around and do... Bare pretty much nothing all day, but you know what? It was with family, it was eating a lot of food, and I apologize, okay? I apologize. So, in this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blyman Show, completely unplanned edition of the Logan Blyman Show, because I thought this would be, you know, Mock Draft Monday. I remember we released, released Mock Draft 4.0 on Friday, okay? And this, this Mock Draft, as opposed to the recent ones, this one's been kind of depressing in regards to the the viewership of the mock draft. Let's read you the first three mock drafts in the viewership, or the views that each mock draft had. Mock draft 1.0, which was released on February 14th, Valentine's Day. 84 views. That's a really good number. That's I, I can't lie. It's a really, really good number. Mock draft 2.0, 67. Okay, down, but still a good number. You know what? We'll give that a round of applause as well. That was released on March 7th. April 1st, we released mock draft 3.0. 51 views. Okay, again, we're going down, we're going down, but if you're looking at some of the past posts I've had, that's one of the more viewed ones. So, like, good on you. Or it's, I guess it's not one of the... It's in the middle of the road, I guess. There's a lot of lower... We post a lot, so there's some that are have higher numbers, but 51, that's a good number. And this one now, in fairness to me, I shouldn't be judging myself too harshly on this, it has only been since Friday. 
okay? So it hasn't been that long of a time. April 15th is when we released this mock draft. It only has 23 views, though. 23. We have gradually gone down. 84, 67, 51, and then not the bottom 23. 23 at the very, very bottom. Now, I'm cool with the number 23. 23 is a big number in the Blackman household, but that's not what I'm wanting for the viewers. So, so you're listening to this episode right now and you have not checked out, or even if you have, check out Mock Draft 4.0. I'll leave a link to all my social medias Went on the, each social media page because we're going to be talking about Mock Draft 4.0 as we get later in the show. As we get later in the show, or should we start off with Mock Draft 4.0? Usually we leave the mock drafts till the very end, but I feel like since we're pretty much a week away from the NFL draft, the NFL draft, of course, starts on April 28th. Very exciting time. And Matt Miller was on Twitter today. Remember, we've talked about him before, a former Bleacher Report guy. Now he does his own thing, does some stuff with ESPN as well, does mock drafts, does dra- NFL draft coverage. He's covered the draft for 11 years. He said on Twitter today, this is the most, this is the hardest year to ever come up with a mock draft. And I agree with that. I agree 100% with that because this is a draft where we literally have no idea what is going on. Literally no idea what is going to happen in this NFL draft. And that's somewhat of a fun thing while also being somewhat of a very concerning thing because when you make mock drafts, the whole goal in making these mock drafts is to be as accurate as possible. At least that's that's what you hope. You know you're not going to get every pick right, but you want to get as right as possible. So when you see a draft that you posted like last year. How many picks in a row? How many picks did we get r- exactly right that? I think we got something like Uh hold on. I want to okay. Is it this one? Which one was it? Montrass 7.0. So we were only doing 5 Montrass this year. I was a little more consistent with Montrass last year. So we got Trevor Lawrence right. We got Zach Wilson right. Mac Jones at 3. I really wanted to put Trey Lance, but I went with Mac Jones. Kyle Pitts at four, got him. Jamar Chase at five to Cincy. Jalen Waddell at six to Miami. So we got five out of six right so far. Panay Sewell going seventh, but to the Chargers. This is why in all the mock drafts you have seen this year, there has not been any trades. Because situations like this where, yeah, the player I had going in the exact right spot, but I don't know. These past couple drafts, there hasn't been that many trades up recently. The past two top tens. If I'm remembering correctly, I could be three, but the past two at least, there's been no trades in the top 10. 2020, you didn't have a trade all the way to like pick 15 or 13, wherever it was, when Tampa Bay moved up one spot to draft Tristan Wirfs. This draft in 2021, you had one trade up. The first trade up outside the top 10 was the Bears moving from 20 to 11. There's not a lot of trades in the top 10. And in this year's draft, with there being really no consensus top pick, there's top players. I think a lot of people consider Aiden Hutchinson, the edge rusher from Michigan, to be the number one player in the draft. But there's not. He's not the favor. One of well, he is one of the favorites, but he's not nailed on as you would expect him to be. Coming off a season he just had, where he finished second in the Heisman Trophy race and put forth one of the most dominant edge rushing seasons in college football history, he's not locked in to be the number one overall pick because of his athletic ceiling. So that's what makes this draft more exciting. Which could make for more trades, I guess, because no one really knows what other teams are thinking. Or, Like, in the quarterbacks this year. Like, last year, we knew who the top five were. And to be fair, we kind of understand who the top five are. But last year, you had a pretty set order. 
There were some odd ones every once in a while, though it had Trevor Lawrence not at number one. Chris Sims, I think, had Zach Wilson number one last year, if I'm remembering correctly. It could be wrong. This year, no one knows what the order of the quarterbacks are. No one knows really what teams are taking quarterbacks because this offseason has been one of the most crazy offseasons when it comes to quarterback transitions and quarterback movements of all time. Like teams you thought could draft a quarterback in the draft, well, obviously in the draft, traded for one or signed one in free agency. And you're sitting there like, this quarterback, yeah, is good, but is this someone that they're going to, is this quarterback good enough to where they can pass on any quarterback in this draft class? And there's teams in this draft that currently, right now, like the Carolina Panthers, if they don't go for a quarterback at six, that'll start a chain of reaction. We might see some trades up. We might see some teams stand pat. The Panthers got a lot of needs on their roster, probably one of the worst rosters in all of football. They don't have a pick to the fourth round because of some bad trades they've done in the past. They have Sam Darnold still on the roster, but they're linked with the likes of Jimmy Garoppolo and Baker Mayfield this offseason. Robbie Anderson did say pretty vocally on Instagram that he does not want Baker Mayfield on his roster. But man, what were you originally talking about? <laughs> trades. And going back to this, Penny Sewell to the Chargers, I forced that. I really forced that. That was not something that I thought would actually happen. It was basically because of the fact Justin Herbert and Penny Sewell played together at Oregon. Chargers needed help at left tackle. Now, Rashawn Slater, they got him at 13, which I would have done if I just had everything stand still, which is, again, everything just stands still. I would have got two picks exactly right, 13 and 7. The Lions at 7 take the best player available. They had a lot of needs on their roster. They're coming over from the Matt Patricia team. That was awful. One of the worst defenses ever. So I thought trading back, Chargers trading up, get a friend of Herbert, maybe that would work. But in hindsight, definitely wouldn't do that. So what, we got five right out of seven. Exactly right. I'm not going to count that. So we had Justin Fields at eight going to the Bron- the Patriots. The Broncos taking Trey Lance at nine. We had J.C. Horn going to the Cowboys at ten. We had Devontae Smith, which in fairness, if the Eagles did not jump the Dallas, um, the New York Giants, they're 11. Devontae Smith would have been a New York Giant. They were very pissed. That's why they traded back with the Bears to take Kadarius Toney. They were going to take a wide receiver with their first pick. And Patrick Sertan to the Eagles at 12. Mike, Minka, geez, Micah Parsons to the Lions at 13. He went 12 to the Cowboys. Rashawn Slater to the Vikings at 14. Christian Darisaw to the Panthers at 15. Zayvon Collins, they're 6. At all the picks, we got Zayvon Collins right, who did absolutely nothing this year <laughs> for the Arizona Cardinals. Literally nothing. He got that. We got that right exactly at 16. So there's seven, six, six picks out of 17 because I got the Raiders pick wrong. Elijah Vera Tucker, they reached on, you know, your boy, Alex Leatherwood. Should have probably taken Christian Darisol. We'll see how he does in his career. Maybe Alex Leatherwood develops into something really nice in Vegas. But in hindsight, Christian Darisol, a lot better value than Alex Otherwood. It wasn't even expected to go in the first round by a lot of people's standards. Uh, 18, Miami, Quiddy Pay. I flipped back and forth with that one a lot with that and the, the Colts pick. Quiddy Pay and Jalen Phillips. I had Jalen Phillips going to the Colts, Quiddy Pay going to the Dolphins. Flip back and forth with that one a ton. And again, hindsight, should have kept it like that. Uh, 19, Jamin Davis. He had him going to the Washington Commanders, then Washington football team at 19. Greg Newsome to the Bears at 20. We already talked about Jalen Phillips to the Colts. Elijah Moore at 22 to the, the Titans. Tevin Jenkins to the Jets at 23. Najee Harris, we had him going to the Steelers at 24. 
Uh, da, 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 da. Christian, Jeremiah Wosu-Koromoa at 26 to the Browns. I mean, he went there in the second round. We can kind of count that. Give us a half point there. Rashad Bateman to the Ravens at 27. Then we had da, 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 da. Jason Owe, now Adafi Owe to the Ravens at 31. So we got 10 picks right. And if I'm being picky or nitpicky, we got a half right point for your boy Panay Sewell at 7. Right, pe- right place, wrong team. Is there any other players we had like that? The right place, wrong team? I don't think so. Yeah, that was pretty much it, wasn't it? So, yeah. 11, 10, 11, 10 and a half, whatever way you want to look at it. Trades make things a lot more difficult <laughs> than things are. But we knew the top three picks were going to be quarterbacks. We knew that. Just a matter of which one. Do I like the idea of the 49ers drafting Trey Lance over Mac Jones? Yes. In the future, I think it will look really good. Trey Lance is expected to be the starter this year in San Francisco. We'll see if he actually gets the chance to start. But he should be the guy in San Fran. And I think his ceiling, we talked about this last year, compares to that of Malik Willis when we're looking at quarterbacks that have ridiculously high ceilings. If they can develop properly. Now, I think Trey Lance in his last year at North Dakota State, was more impressive than what Malik Willis did in his last year at Liberty. So I don't expect... That's why like, I can kind of see Malik Willis going number two to the the Lions. I can kind of see it. But we're going to stick... I don't know. That That's the... that's the What do you call it? The unpredictability of this draft versus others. I don't know. It's a crazy one. It is an absolutely crazy one, but I'm very excited for it. But before we get into more stuff here on this Wednesday edition of Logan Blattman Show, let's go over some of the housekeeping items. We got make sure you're following the Logan Blattman Show on all forms of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Like the Facebook page, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and of course, you're listening to it right now, so make sure you're subscribed or following to the Apple Podcast and Spotify account. Leave a rating out of five stars on both. I greatly appreciate it. Twitter is Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram is Blackman Logan. Show's Instagram account is Show one Facebook and YouTube, same thing again. Make sure you like the Facebook page and you're following it as well. And YouTube, subscribe, watch a few videos, give them a thumbs up. And again, you're listening to it right now on either or both Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So make sure you're following on both. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts right now, make sure you're following on Spotify as well. And if you're listening on Spotify, make sure you're following on Apple Podcasts. Unless you have an Android phone, then you can't do anything on Apple Podcasts. But just make sure you're subscribed to The Logan Blackman Show on everything that you can get your grubby little hands on. And this mock draft, how many views did mock draft 7.0 get last year? 44. So you know what? We'll take the 84 that we got on mock draft 1.0 for this year. But man, there's this, this draft's crazy. This draft's absolutely crazy. Like if you're looking at the top players from each position group in this draft, like players that you could be considered the top three players you could look at in each position group. You're going to have a differing answer or differing opinion for each and every one. There's some that most people I feel are, I don't know what you want to call it. It's like a consensus, I guess you could say. A consensus pick on these top three spots for each position because we don't have the officially official prospect rankings done yet. We will get those out to you before the draft, probably on Monday, if I had to take a guess. We'll have Mock Draft 5.0 coming on Wednesday before the draft, or at least try Thursday. Well, it'll be out before the draft. Both things will be out before the draft. It just depends on which day it comes out exactly. It'll either come out on Monday, 
or Friday for the prospect rankings, or Wednesday or Thursday for the draft. And we'll have a show Wednesday to talk about, we'll go over the draft. It might not be done, but we'll go over what we're thinking for each pick, which we've kind of done before, but I think the day before the draft we'll have more down, I guess you could say. This show's kind of struggling right now, I'm sorry. I, it's been a very long day. It's been a very long a couple days, really. <laughs> Sunday, Monday, and today have been really, really long days. Getting been getting up early. Work started getting a little bit more uh, hectic. I'm not saying it's harder, but it gets more stressful because those are two things that you can know. They're not exactly one and the same. One can be really hard but not stressful, and one can be stressful and not necessarily the hardest job, but you just got to make sure everything's flowing correctly. And good Lord, I'm drained. But I want to get a show out today. I want to get a show out today. So back when we were talking about the top three players in each position, like last week, I think it was last week. It was either last week or two weeks ago. I can't remember. We went over my favorite prospect from each position. It cannot be the number one prospect in that position. Number one player in that position. So like running back, we couldn't say Brees Hall. Edge rusher, we couldn't say Aiden Hutchinson. Corner, we couldn't say Ahmad Gardner. Like we couldn't go over the top players in each position group. We had to say someone else completely random. And I don't even remember who all we said for those things. But it was a pretty fun, it was a pretty fun little game we had planned out. But here are the top three group players from each position group, according to me. Now, quarterback is the one, again, that's a quarterback's the most important position on the football field. One of the most important positions of all of sports. And three most important positions on a football field that to me are quarterback, edge rusher, and tackle, left tackle. Those are the three most important positions in the NFL. I think you could throw a corner in there as well. You need to have some lockdown corners, at least one of them on your roster. Can't get torched every single game. You need to have somewhat of a stable secondary. I think those are the four most important positions in the NFL. And quarterback this year, it's all what you want to judge it on. If you want to go off of potential, you'll view it some other some other way. If you want to view it on who's ready to play right now, you'll go with someone else. I think most people's top three are generally the same. Maybe the same quarterbacks, but rotated around differently. Like it's 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 an interesting one because right now we've talked about this before with Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati being on number one, being the number one rated quarterback on some people's boards, which is ridiculous. Not I shouldn't know that that came out wrong. That made it sound like he's should never be mentioned in that, and he'll never be anything in the NFL. He's a bust before he's even played a snap in the NFL. No, we're not saying that. I just don't think Desmond Ritter is better. <clears throat> whether that be potential-wise or right now-wise versus Kenny Pickett and Malik Willis. I don't think he's that guy yet. I think mentality-wise, I like his mentals the most out of the quarterbacks in this draft class, but I don't I don't put him as highly as Willis and Pickett. And I would put Pickett at number one right now if we're talking about who's ready to play right now. I think Willis or Pickett's last season at Pittsburgh like, he broke every single passing record for a season. I know he broke the career records, but he played for five years. So the records for a career were bound to be broken at some point. But the season records, that had been held for like 30 to 40 years. Will Pickett just snapped them. And I know the ACC is not the toughest conference in all of America, but Pickett balled out. Made some great plays in the bowl game as well. Like, the dude had an amazing game playing in Badweather City of Pittsburgh with, quote-unquote, small hands. Like, Pickett is an awesome quarterback. Malik Willis, if you want to go potential, is up there with the best of them. Like, him and Josh Allen, to me, are very similar. 
Like, I think Malik Willis's last season at Liberty is better than what Josh Allen put forth in his last season at Wyoming. But numbers-wise, there's nothing there that really goes, oh my God, that guy should be the number one overall pick in the draft. You're judging Josh Allen and Malik Willis off measurables, intangibles, what you think this person could be. And I think Josh Allen and Malik Willis are there in a similar mindset where they're going to ball out. You just need to give them some time. Like Josh Allen, it took him really a year and a half. It was actually, if we're being 100% honest, Josh Allen really started playing good the second half of his rookie year because he got hurt against the Texans in I think week three or four. No, it wasn't three because he made his first. So the Bills rookie, his Josh Allen's rookie season, they played the Ravens first and the Chargers and the Vikings. I was at the Vikings game. Chargers was first start. And the Ravens, they got blitzed 40-something to zero or 40-something to three. Nathan Peterman posted a 0.0 QBR. So it was either like week four or five, Josh Allen got hurt against the Texans. He got an elbow injury against the Texans. And then he came back against the Jaguars like three or four or five weeks later, and you had to sit through the likes of Peterman, Derek Anderson, and Matt Barkley. The final two basically got called off the golf course. Derek Anderson literally getting called off the golf course to come play on a Monday night football game against the New England Patriots. That's not who you really wanted, and the Bills lost the game. And numerous times this season, that season, they got absolutely destroyed. Absolutely destroyed. But Josh Allen, when he came back against the Jaguars, there were games after that against the Dolphins as well, where you're like, that guy's got something. That guy's really got something. And he had an up-and-down second year, and then the third year he went supernova, finished second in the MVP race. And then this year we already know, you know, people are actually having the conversation of him being the best quarterback of the NFL, like FanDuel, Posted something on Twitter today, ranking the top quarterback, all 16 quarterbacks in the AFC. All 16 quarterbacks. Here was their list from FanDuel. So, like, starting at the bottom, we had Davis Mills, Zach Wilson, Mitch Trubisky, Trevor Lawrence, Tua, Matt Ryan, Mac Jones, Ryan Tannehill, Deshaun Watson, Derek Carr, Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Mahomes, and then Josh Allen at number one. This is from FanDuel's official Twitter account. Now, I'm not saying that FanDuel's official Twitter account is something that you should really look into all that much and go, like, this is the, the, they said Josh Allen's the best quarterback in the NFL. He is, 100%. Like, I know I've said Josh Allen's the best quarterback in the NFL, but FanDuel, sometimes they go out there for the best, like, some of the things at the bottom of this list. Like, Deshaun Watson, I know he sat out for a year. He's better than Derek Carr. I know he's better than Derek Carr. Like, why is Davis Mills at 16? Based off last year, he was better than both Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson. And he's rated the 16th best quarterback in the AFC. Trubisky hasn't played in a year, really. But I remember one thing FanDuel posted. It was, <laughs> who would you rather have, Alvin Kamara or LaDainian Tomlinson? <laughs> I don't really know. <laughs> uh, man, that was fun. That was a few years ago. But I'm not saying this is gospel, but it is a verified account. That is saying that Josh Allen's the best quarterback in the NFL. So it's not just me saying. It's not me just being some deluded Bills fan, which I am, but being some del- – just only that. I do have some substance to it, <laughs> but but FanDuel has spoken, I guess you could say. But I think Malik Willis, if he's given time, could be not Josh Allen level because Josh Allen – I hate when they do this on social media – where they say, oh, Drew Locke or Jalen Hurts or Tua have put up these numbers to compare to Josh Allen's numbers his rookie year. It's like, okay, 
Josh Allen is an anomaly. This isn't something that just happens regularly where it goes, okay, this quarterback was really bad year one. Numbers-wise, really bad. That means by just chance, he's going to develop into an MVP candidate in two years. No, that's not how this works. It can happen, but it's not happening very often. And Josh Allen's the one that has done that so far. So I'm not sitting here and saying Malik Willis will become Josh Allen, but there are similar traits that they have to each other. Now, Malik Willis is smaller by a lot. 6'1", probably 225. Josh Allen, 6'5", 240, 250 maybe. He's a big dude. Malik Willis is not that big, but Malik Willis has a very strong arm. Malik Willis is more mobile than Josh Allen. Both are freaking tanks. Like Malik Willis, 6'1", 225, built. Malik Willis is built. So if you give this dude time and he stops you know, trying to do too much because there were points with Liberty last year. We've talked about this before, mainly against Ole Miss. You saw that against, uh, who was the other team? They were favored by 21 points against somebody. It was, was it Louisiana? I don't think it was Louisiana. I've got to, now I've got to see this. Okay. Because there was one game that he played where they were monster favorites. UL, Louisiana Monroe, Louisiana Monroe. They were, what is the line in this game? Does it still have it up here on ESPN? 32 and a half. It wasn't even 21. 32 and a half was the line. They lost 31 to 28. <laughs> 32 and a half. Malik Willis had three interceptions this game. Yes, he had 157 yards on the ground and two touchdowns. Three interceptions. This was a span of back-to-back weeks for Malik Willis where he tossed three straight, three interceptions in the game. After tossing none, the previous five, six, wait, five weeks before. Against Middle Tennessee State, he tossed three. And against Louisiana Monroe, he tossed three. And he tossed three against Ole Miss. And he tossed two against Louisiana. What was that spread? I think Liberty was favored in that one. They got absolutely blitzed. Yeah, four-point favorite against Louisiana. Le- Levi Lewis is another good quarterback uh, for Louisiana. So it wasn't like it was some bad team. Louisiana is a very good football team. But there are times like in this season where Malik Willis tried to do too much. And Malik Willis has a very strong arm, yes, but that can cause his accuracy to wane because he thinks, I just need to overpower this throw. And it can also lead to turnovers because Josh Allen struggled through this. Not really anymore, but he did, where it was, I have the strongest arm in the world. I can fit the ball through any sized hole. It will fit, no matter what, because I can just zip it in there. Sometimes that can work, and it can make some very, very awesome throws. Other times, and not just other times, most of the time, it'll lead to a turnover. Malik Willis, in those games we mentioned, namely against Louisiana Monroe and Ole Miss, he tried to do too much. In hero ball, for all of you who are unaware, rarely works. It rarely, rarely, rarely works. So Malik Willis gets a chance and is afforded to, not just by a team, afforded by fans to sit for a couple years Maybe a year. Maybe he's ready after a year. Maybe that's what happens. But he he should not play year one. So right now, and we're just talking about the here and now, I have Kenny Pickett one, Malik Willis two, and Desmond Ritter will have him go three. And Matt Corral and Desmond Ritter flip back and forth. I don't care. But I'm going to go with Ritter three. I really like Ritter. We've talked about him a lot on the show. But Willis... Potential-wise, is the number one quarterback in the draft. If we're talking about two years from now, yes, Malik Willis will, I think, maybe three, because he needs to play that <laughs> that, that first year, will be up there 
but right now I have Kenny Pickett at number one. That could change, though. Uh, running backs, I think this is pretty straightforward. Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker. And then I've struggled with this one a little bit because I've never been really the biggest fan in the world of Isaiah Spiller. I've never really been that massive of a fan of him. I, I like him. I have really no issues with him. But I really like da James Cook. I really like James Cook. So I might move James Cook to number three and have Isaiah Spiller at four. Because there were times I was toying with the idea of Kyron Williams moving above Isaiah Spiller in some of my prospect rankings. I like Again, I like Isaiah Spiller. But Kenneth Walker and Brees Hall are two guys that will go. One will go in the first round. Both of them, if none of them go in the first round, both of them will go in the second round. Because there are some teams in the second round, i.e. the Texans and the Bills, that could definitely use some running backs. Definitely could use them. So those are two places I think are primo destinations for those guys. And I think the Bills really could draft Brees Hall in the first round. And I would be really, really cool with that. I'd be really cool with that. Kenneth Walker, not a massive back. He's about five foot nine. Weight-wise, about, about, what, 200? And he was everything in Michigan State's offense last year. Everything. The one game you took him, you take him out of the offense, Michigan State was dead in the water. Michigan State could not throw the ball. You saw the one time they actually got put in a shootout-style game, and they got blitzed because they were so reliant on the run, they couldn't do anything. <laughs> they couldn't throw the ball. Peyton Thorson, that was their quarterback, right? Peyton Thorson, is a fine quarterback. Like, I would say he's a top three quarterback in the Big Ten, but that's more of an indictment on how bad the quarterback situation is outside of C.J. Stroud in the Big Ten than it is a compliment on Peyton Thorson. Okay, now, I'm, now it's bothering me. I need to see if that's Peyton Thorson. Is it Peyton Thorn? Peyton Thorn. Peyton Thorn. I'm combining a color. Uh, Thorns, Thorson. Is he, is, was he in the USFL, which started off this week, and I did watch it, but it started off this week. But yeah, I think James Cook is kind of in that similar situation to that of, you know, Josh Jacobs before, where Josh Jacobs came in the NFL, not a lot of reps, a lot of tread on the tires, which is what a lot of teams like. He came from Alabama, platoon system, James Cook split time with Zymir White at Georgia. So he didn't doesn't have the carries. He was used very well in the backfield as well as or in the backfield, in the receiving game as well. 5'11", 190, good size, very fast. So yeah, I like James Cook a lot. I like James Cook. James Cook or Isaiah Spiller will be at three. The other one will be at four. Isaiah Spiller's a good running back. He had three very, very good seasons at Texas A&M. 2,000-yard seasons and one 900-yard season. He might have had four, but I, from what I'm remembering, 2,100. But he's not the same receiver out of the backfield as James Cook. He doesn't have the same breakaway speed. He's not as fast as James Cook. So that's the, there's a couple things that I <laughs> I would pick over him, but the top two guys are unchanged. Unchanged. Wide receivers, uh, Garrett Wilson, Drake London, and Jamison Williams. If Jamison Williams didn't tear his ACL against Georgia, he'd be the number one guy. I think everybody, uh, I hope most people can see that. I think Garrett Wilson's a dog, and Drake London is just an, a great athlete. He's not necessarily a burner or anything, but at 6'5", probably 210, this dude can make every single catch out there. He's not going to blow your doors off or anything, but this dude can make circus catch after circus catch. Just watch his games from last year at USC. Keaton Slovis had a bad year, a very bad year. And Drake London made his year look really good until he broke his air, fractured his ankle against Arizona. I can't remember. But Jamison Williams, dude, 
190 pounds, it's a, it should be illegal to be as fast as Jameson Williams and that big. I'm not saying he's a freaking monster or anything. 6'2", 190 pounds is not the biggest specimen of a human ever, but that's a good size. And then you got, like, Chris Olave will also be up there as well. Those three, those are the top four guys, I guess you could say. Tight ends, we got Trey McBride, Greg Dolchich, and Isaiah Likely. Isaiah Likely, we've talked about him before. Very good athlete from the tight end position. Better receiver than blocker, where I think Dolchich and Trey McBride fill that category more. Now, Trey McBride is, I think, clear as of right now, as the best tight end in this draft, he just he led the nation in receiving yards last year for tight end, though he only had one touchdown, which is very unfortunate for him. But I like these guys. Greg Dolch is another very good wide receiver. He had five touchdowns last year, about 720, 725 yards, if I'm remembering right. Like, this dude, very nice. Two very nice tight ends. And Greg Dolch has some sick flow, which just elevates his draft stock even more. Capable blocker as well, but not as much as McBride. McBride's just the complete tight end. Compared to that of George Kittle, like this dude can do literally everything from the tight end position. He's going to be the first tight end off the board, but Dolchich, I could see a reality. Dolchich are likely falls into the later stages of round two, very later stages of round two, because you got a team like the Packers, because they definitely use a tight end. They're going to be picking in the 60s, so maybe you see a great Dolchich or an Isaiah Likely go there if Trey McBride's already off the board. If he's not then Trey McBride will be the only option for the Packers if they do end up looking for a tight end in that spot. But yeah, others like Jelani Woods, great athlete from Virginia. Jeremy Ruckert, I think, is one of those tight ends and one of those players where you look at and go, he is, his numbers are down because of the fact he's a part of a team that has a lot of very good weapons on it. Like Jackson Smith and Jigba, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, Travion Hendrickson as well at running back, Hendrickson at running back, you're not going to get a lot of numbers. So Ruckert's numbers are kind of like George Kittle's at Iowa. Now, I'm not saying Iowa had any weapon compared to what Ohio State has at their disposal right now, but George Kittle did not have the greatest numbers at Iowa. Great Jeremy Ruckert does not put forth the greatest numbers at Ohio State, but still a very good tight end. Charlie Kohler, good tight end as well. Massive dude, great receiver. Not an amazing blocker. There's a couple times you can see him get blown up <laughs> at times, but... Still a very good player and will get drafted fairly high. These, these, there's a deep tight end class. This is a very nice tight end class. Off to tackle, Ike McConwu, Evan Neal, and Charles Cross. Charles Cross is the best pass blocking tackle in this draft bar none. It's not even close. But running, we talked about this before, is run blocking. We don't know. We don't know anything about his run blocking because Mississippi State was the worst rushing team in all of college football last year. They don't like to run the ball, which is just a staple of Mike Leach offenses. You saw that with Andre Dillard at Washington State a few years ago. I know we bring up those two, but they're coming from the same exact system from teams that don't run the ball. I'm not saying Charles Cross will be as bad as Andre Dillard. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying Charles Cross will get uprooted by a seventh-round draft pick who hadn't really played football before, but I digress. Aquanwu, guard-tackle hybrid. Same thing with Neil. Neil and Aquanwu Aquanu have played similar positions in their time. Evan Neal is just a, what you look for in and off to tackle. 6'7", about 200, 340 pounds. Like, in your prototypical, if you're building an off to tackle, you are building someone in the mold of Evan Neal. Like, the dude is not, he does not look big. In pictures you've seen of him recently, the dude does not look very big. Rocks around with glasses on. Like, he's not anything that intimidating. But on the football field, he's a mean SOB in Aquanu is the meanest SOB in this draft class. He's more of your, you know, uh, Rashawn Slater size tackle. 
where people are going to go, maybe he's a guard, maybe he's a tackle, maybe he's a guard, maybe he's a tackle. Well, Rashawn Slater made the Pro Bowl in his first year. I'm not saying the Pro Bowl is an overarching theme of how good a player really is because there's a lot how to go down to fan voting and players picking their friends and stuff like that. But hey, it did show he did play pretty decent last year. He did play pretty decent as a left tackle for the Chargers. And Aquanu is just awesome. Aquanu is a very nice tackle. I don't care if their people are saying he's too small to play tackle. This dude's a tackle. And he could dominate the next level. So you got Aquanu, Neal, and Cross as your top tackles in the draft. Interior linemen, I'm going to go Linderbaum, Zion Johnson, and Kenyon Green. Kenyon Green, versatility of the max. Played every single position in the offensive line this year for Texas A&M. Zion Johnson, love his story. Former zero-star recruit, went to Davidson, balled out there in a triple-option-style offense. Went to Boston College, balled out there as well, and has a lot to go in the first round. Linderbaum, best center prospect in however many years. Like, this dude's an elite, elite prospect. The problem is his arm's too short. He's undersized center as well. He's not the biggest dude in the world. So that's going to cause him to slide a little bit. I think he should go before every single interior offensive lineman in this draft. But that's not what's going to happen. He's going to fall a little bit, and it's going to be very upsetting for a lot of Iowa fans out there. And rightfully so, because his talent says he's better than whatever pick he's actually going to get drafted at. I'm assuming it's going to be in the 20s. I don't think it's going to be in the 4. I don't think he'll go to Baltimore, even though that is a perfect fit, because they have a hole at center, and they've had success with Iowa off the lineman in the past, i.e. Marshall Yonda. It makes sense, but he's just not, he's just not going to go there, is he? He's not. He's going to go a little later. Moving on to defense, interior defense alignment. We've got Jordan Davis, Wyatt, Devontae Wyatt, and Travis Jones. Travis Jones, monster. Sadly, played for a terrible UConn team. <laughs> Absolutely terrible UConn team. Won four games in his time at UConn. Jeez, that scared the crap out of me. But did not win a lot. But very, very strong. Shown out the Senior Bowl. Had a very good combine as well. Dude's rising. Just speaking of good combines, Jordan Davis and Devontae Wyatt. I mean, Jordan Davis has been my number one D lineman. For months now. He was my number one D lineman at the start of the season. He's my number one D lineman now. Or no, he's number two. He was number two. I'm sorry. I forgot. Or was he number one? Was he number one? I don't remember. But I digress. Jordan Davis, for what he lacks really in numbers, he takes up for in blockers absorbed. He makes up for in sack assists. I guess, is that a statistic we can look at where he was like, he directly was, he was directly involved in a sack without actually getting the sack? I know he can get half sacks, but like, with how many blockers he absorbed that frees up open lanes for all of his other players on his defense? And Devontae Wyatt is just a freaking mobile dude. <laughs> this dude is not as big as Jordan Davis, but he can move very, very well. But he'll probably go a little bit later. There's some, uh, Things from his past are starting to creep up a little bit that could cause him to slide a little bit further than what his value says. But other players like Logan Hall from Houston, very fun player. Perrion Winfrey balled out at the Senior Bowl. He could be someone mentioned up there. But I think those Jordan Davis, Devontae Wyatt, and Travis Jones. Edge rushers, Hutchinson, Thibodeau, Walker. And the problem is, Walker's probably going to be the first one taken. <laughs> Not a problem. I think Walker's awesome. Trayvon Walker... You can't look at the numbers for Trayvon Walker. You can't look at the numbers for Trayvon Walker. It's not It's not something you can go at. This is the overarching theme here because you look at some players in the past like Daniil Hunter and Odafe Owe who did not put forth great numbers, who put up actually worse numbers than Walker in his final season at Georgia. Like Daniil Hunter, I think, had one sack his last season at LSU and Owe had zero sacks his last season at Penn State. So, And they both turned in. Daniil Hunter is one of the best edge rushers in the NFL when healthy and Odafe Owe had a very good rookie season last year for the Ravens. 
Walker's all measurables, all workout team, which can scare some people. Yes, it's fair. His numbers are not something that says, yes, that is a guaranteed number one pick. But he's a way, way better athlete than Hutchinson, which could cause the Jaguars to look in that direction, especially for someone like Trent Baalke, who has drafted players solely off traits before. I think Walker probably will go number one. If that That's at least how my, what my gut is telling me right now. That could be completely wrong, and I'm open to being wrong about that because I think Hutchinson is better right now. But given time, Walker could be the best edge rusher in this class. But when people talk about Walker in regards to being an athletic specimen being better than Hutchinson, like Thibodeau has the athletic ability and the numbers to back it up, but people have concerns about his character, so he's going to fall a little bit more. But uh, Thibodeau, baller. I think he's pretty much, I would be pretty shocked if he didn't go to the Jets. That's pretty much where I'm standing right now. I'd be pretty surprised if he did not wind up a New York Jet. Hutchinson's going to the Jaguars or Lions. Trayvon Walker's going to the Jaguars or anywhere else. I have no idea where he's going to go. I have no idea where he's going to go. Because last year, Mac Jones was talked about being the third overall pick and went 15th. So, like, there's a lot of room where Trayvon Walker will go. Well, do I think he'll fall at the top 10? No. The latest he'll fall is to 8 at Atlanta. That's literally it. I don't even really think he'll fall there. I think he'll fall probably to seven of the Giants. That's if they don't pick him at at five. So time will tell. Time will tell. But Walker, I think, will go number one because I think you could build something there with his athletic ability and his numbers. I think his numbers really have a lot to do with the scheme Georgia was running. I mean, Trayvon Walker was working inside and outside. So his numbers aren't going to be the most dominant numbers. We're looking at 14 sacks for Hutchinson. He had four last year for Walker. So I don't know. I, I'm really a big fan of Walker. I hope that he proves all these people wrong that are bashing him right now because of the lack of production. And I think he could. I think he could. These Georgia defenders are going to dominate this draft. They're going to dominate it. Linebacker, we got Devin Lloyd, Nicobe Dean. It will stick with Christian Harris. We will stick with Christian Harris. I do like Quay Walker a lot from Georgia. I like Channing Tindall as well. I like Chad Muma from Wyoming. But we're going to stick with with Harris. It's close. I mean, it's you can't really go wrong with an Alabama linebacker. You really can't. It's really hard to find a bad Alabama linebacker. I mean, it happens. It happens every once in a while. I mean, you could look at Reuben Foster. Foster is one of them. Like, it happens. But Reuben's more of a yeah, personal things than more of his actual talent. I think talent-wise, he could be could have been a really good linebacker. He just got a lot of stuff going on off the field. That kind of deterred people away from drafting, keeping him uh, on the roster for very long. So he played for he played for Sanford. He got drafted by Sanford, and they went to Washington. I don't think he did anything. He tore his ACL like right when he got there. But Devin Lloyd, versatility, 6'3", about 220 pounds. Duke can do literally everything on defense. In a year where Micah Parsons dominated the NFL's rookie, he went with the unanimous rookie of the year. I think if someone like... Devin Lloyd will be very valued. I think Nicobe Dean, who's coming in as a smaller linebacker, I don't really care about that because you look at one of the greatest linebackers of all time, Derek Brooks. Devin White's a very small linebacker, or very small. He's a smaller linebacker. Darius Leonard's not the biggest linebacker in the world. Lorcon Smith is not necessarily the biggest linebacker in the world. They're all very good at what they do. Derek Brooks is a Hall of Famer, and again, one of the greatest linebackers of all time. He was the size of a safety. That's kind of what Nicobe Dean's like. And I could see a reality where he does fall out the first round because of his side. I mean, we had Jeremiah Wosu-Koromoa fall out the first round, and he weighed around 220 pounds. But that also had, he had some injuries coming into the draft as well. But 
he fell to the second round. He was going to fall later than expected, than his talent set. I think that's something that Dean will do. Dean is the best leader out of the linebackers in this draft class. And we're talking about best pass, pass blocking, pass blocking, pass defending linebackers in this draft. Nakobe Dean is probably number one. But again, his size will cause him to slide a little bit. And Christian Walker just makes plays all over the field for Alabama. All over the field. Very, 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 very fast line. Very, very. A fast linebacker. Just can make plays everywhere. From cornerbacks, we got Ahmad Gardner, Derek Stingley, Trent McDuffie. I think this is pretty unanimous at this point. I think everybody has this as their top three. I could be wrong. There's some people might have Andrew Booth. Some might have Kyler Gordon up there from Washington. But I think that's generally the top three you're looking at here. Like Ahmad Gardner is about 6'3", 200 pounds. He doesn't get beat deep. He doesn't get beat over top. He hasn't a lot of touchdown. He allowed like .1 yards per catch last year. Like, the dude is insane. Derek Stingley just can't stay healthy. If Derek Stingley could stay healthy, dude would easily be the number one corner of the draft. He just can't stay healthy. And people are wondering if he can apply himself for a full season because after his freshman year, it was like any little nagging injury, it was done for the season for Derek Stingley. I hope he can stay fit for a whole season because that dude is a baller. And Trent McDuffie is probably... One of the better tacklers in this draft. I put him up there with like Roger McCreary. Ahmad Gardner is also up there. Andrew Booth is up there as well. But Trent McDuffie, for how his size, 5'11", about 190, 5'10", 190. Not the biggest guy in the world, but this dude is just an athletic specimen. Him and Kyler Gordon, the Washington corners. For how up and down Washington was last year, their secondary and their pass defense was top two. It might have been number one in all of college football last year. Top two or top one, I, I can't really remember exactly, but these two are awesome players. Awesome, awesome players. I'm not saying that Trent McDuffie is as versatile off the field as Kyler Gordon is because he like he did ballet, danced, he did uh, he did taekwondo, karate. Red, I, the dude did literally everything. So, yeah, I think those are the top three corners. I think that's pretty clear at this point. Gardner, Stingley, and McDuffie in safeties. Kyle Hamilton, Pat Daxton Hill, and Lewis Seen from Georgia. Seen is just a heat-seeking missile. We've talked about Lewis Seen before. This dude will just take your head off. And he doesn't look like he likes to talk to people. Lewis Seen does not look like he talks to anybody ever. Like, this dude's got his hair over his eyes at all times. Like, in the interview after the National Championship game, this dude didn't say anything. This dude barely said anything. They had to interview him, and he was just sitting there barely talking. You're like, okay, that dude does not want to be there right now. But when he gets on the field, good lord, that dude's a different person. Daxton Hill, him and... Kyle Hamilton are both versatile players. I think Hamilton more so because Hamilton is just bigger, so that allows him to do more things on the defensive side of the ball. But Hill, in regards to secondary positions, corner, safety, slot corner, whatever, the dude's going to lock up whoever. So I think Daxton Hill, I really like I like Daxton Hill a lot. I really like Daxton Hill. So I hope that he goes somewhere in the first round. And I think he could go a little bit sooner based off what I've done today and yesterday where I've been working on mock drafts. I've been working on mock draft 5.0 because I'm trying to <laughs> – I got less time to work with. Like, it should be out a week from today. So I got less time to work on a mock draft because the last one came out on Friday. So I'm trying to get things all together for this next one. And Daxton Hill I have going a little bit sooner than what I had him going last time. But those are the top three states. So a reminder, here's the top three players at each position. Quarterback, Pickett, Willis, Ritter. Running back, we got Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker, and James Cook. We're going to go James Cook. Wide receiver, Wilson, London, Williams. Tight end, McBride, Dolchich, and Likely. Tackle, Aquanu, Neal, and Cross. Interior lineman, Linderbaum, Johnson, and Green. D tackles, we got Davis, Wyatt, and Jones. Edge rushers, Hudson, Thibodeau, Walker. Linebackers, Lloyd, Dean, and Harris. 
Corner, Gardner, Stingley, and McDuffie in safety. Hamilton, Daxton Hill, and Lewis. Scene. Oh. Again, the top position groups, we talked about this before, line, or edge rushers and wide receivers. Always deep. Tight ends a very deep class. Running backs a very deep class as well. So this, this is a good draft. This isn't like, I know every time we think of a draft class, you go like, the draft class is as good as your quarterbacks. And I know this draft class is viewed as not very good in regards to the quarterback position, but this is a very nice draft class. There's some really good defenders in this draft class. Georgia will dominate this draft in regards to the defensive side of the ball. And there's some good Georgia players even on the offensive side of the ball. Like Jeremiah, Jer, Jam Ray Siler, who's a guard tackle, very big dude. George Pickens could go early, go in the second round. We talked about the running backs. We got James Cook and Zymir White. Like there's some good players on even on the offensive side for Georgia that will get drafted. Like Georgia's got this draft belongs to Georgia. This is Georgia, the Georgia Bulldog draft. And I am perfectly okay with that because their draft, this, this that team was very, very good. Very, very good. So without further ado, though, before I forget to do this at all, <laughs> here is Mock Draft 4.0. I hope you enjoyed Mock Draft 4.0. Jeez, English. I hope you enjoy Mock Draft 4.0. It's going to change a little bit when Mock Draft 5.0 comes out. But and it's sad because since it's been, what? Because I got done with it Thursday night. No, 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 I didn't. I got done with it Friday afternoon. I got it done like at 1230 on Friday. So I've had sat all day Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and today, four days since Mock Draft 4.0 has come out. So my opinions on certain things have changed since this has come out. But again, this draft is very hard to predict, so if this draft is not exactly right... I will apologize, but again, there's no trades. I know I kind of teased that like a week ago. Kind of teased the idea of there being a trade, but ultimately we just went went against it because it's too hard to try and predict trades anymore. But number one, Trayvon Walker. We've already talked about this before. Traits, 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 traits. Athletic traits don't ignore the on-the-field production. I mean, watching his tape, there's some really fun things you can see in Trayvon Walker in regards to explosiveness and chasing down players that are a lot smaller than him. And you would think... He wouldn't have a chance to catch. Number two, Detroit Lions take Aiden Hutchinson. Again, because of the fact that Walker is a better athlete than Aiden Hutchinson, rightly or wrongly, could see him go number one overall. Hutchinson had a way better season last year and was more dominant than Trayvon Walker was. But that athletic threshold is something that someone like Trent Baalke, the GM of the Detroit or the Jacksonville Jaguars, will definitely look at. And the Lions, who are in need just help in general on defense after the Matt Patricia era, Aiden Hutchinson would be the first, would be a very, very nice cornerstone for this defense. Very, very nice cornerstone for the defense. Power, power, power is what you use to describe Aiden Hutchinson. Number three, the Texans taking Ikem Aquanu from NC State. They need help on the offensive line. They brought Laramie Tunsil back. They have Titus Howard, sure, but Titus Howard's playing mostly guard now. That right tackle spot is a hole, and I know they've managed to bring back Tunsil or managed to keep Tunsil for now. He's not going to stay there forever. So whether you bring in a Quanu or Neal or whatever at left tackle or right tackle to start off, you move him over to left tackle eventually, they need some help. They got Davis Mills at quarterback. If they believe in Davis Mills, they got to give him some help on the offensive line. I think a Quanu could bring that. Or Neal, again. For the Jets, we've already talked about it, Tavon Thibodeau. I think he's just bound to go to the Jets. It's just how I feel at this point in time. I think he's going to go to the Jets. He just feels like that. Robert Sala was a part of a team that built their success off their defensive line. Joe Douglas has not drafted a defensive player in the first two rounds since he's been the GM of the Jets. 
Like, it's been all offense. All offense early. So Robert Sala, being a defensive-minded head coach, would definitely like his GM to draft a defensive player. Be very nice. I bet he would greatly appreciate Joe Douglas drafting a defensive player for him. And Thibodeau, he just feels like a Jet. He just feels like a Jet. They need some help on the edges. Carl Lawson sat out the entire season. He tore his Achilles or something before the season starts. We missed all of last season. If he comes back healthy, Kayvon Thibodeau makes a lot of even Either way, Kayvon Thibodeau makes a lot of sense for the Jets. New York Giants at five. Evan Neal, again, off to line help. There's not really a lot to say there. I think they'll take now, I think they'll take Charles Cross for Mississippi State. I know that sounds kind of crazy, but they, it sounds like they, this has been something like pro day-wise, combine-wise. They have been very high on Charles Cross. This isn't something that just popped out recently. They have been very high on him before. So I have Neil going here. They're going to take a tackle with their first pick. So Neil, Cross, Aquanu, whoever it is, a tackle will be going there at number five. The Panthers at six. I'm taking Kenny Pickett. There's just a lot of connections there. There's a lot of connections between Pickett. You got the owner, David Tepper, from Pittsburgh. Not only from Pittsburgh, went to Pittsburgh. Matt Rule recruited Kenny Pickett out of high school to Temple. Like, if there's a link to a quarterback in this draft class, it's Kenny Pickett. (laughs) If there is one place that says, this is almost, like, everything is telling you that this should happen, it's Kenny Pickett to the Panthers. They don't have any picks from the round from the first round until the fourth round. But they need help in the offensive line desperately. And this is a draft class where the quarterbacks are not seen to be the greatest of all time. And with the Panthers, the past three offseasons, being linked with all these different trade options. They trade for Darnold. They tried to trade for Deshaun. They've tried to trade for Jimmy, Jimmy G. They tried to trade for Baker. They've been linked with every single quarterback, it feels like, under the sun. So them drafting a quarterback might happen because their O-line, they just need a quarterback. Matt Rule's future depends on this quarterback hitting. So quarterback or tackle, it'd be interesting to see how it goes. The Giants at seven taking a mod Gardner. James Bradbury's one of the better corners in the NFL, but they, he's been linked with a trade away for a while now. There's been something that's been brewing with the Giants for a while, or not a while now, this offseason, it seems like. James Bradbury linked with a trade away. Linked with it. Where will James Bradbury play next season? Where will he play? If it's with the Giants, I mean, either way, Ahmad Gardner would be an awesome pick for the New York Giants, especially with two people coming from the Buffalo Bills organization where they built one of the best, if not the best overall secondary in the NFL. I think the Giants would love to do that here. They have Xavier McKinney there, who's a very nice safety, very young safety. Hopefully he keeps developing, but if you get Gardner, you need a lockdown corner. You see Trayvon Diggs in your division. You see Darius Slay in your division. Get a nice little corner there. Get a nice corner. On eight, the Falcons, Malik Willis. Right after I posted this, I saw stuff about them taking Garrett Wilson. So it's, <laughs> I think it's between Garrett Wilson, Malik Willis, and Jermaine Johnson from Florida State. Need help on the edges. They lost their number one sack getter from last year, Dante Flower, even though he had four sacks, four and a half sacks last year. Lost him. They cut him. And they have no one to throw to. I think Malik Willis will be an awesome fit with the Falcons, especially since he's from Atlanta. But I don't know. I think that I think this is a very, very nice fit, especially when you look at last year where Terry Fontenot, the GM, and Arthur Smith, the head coach, were looking at quarterbacks a lot last year. And if Trey Lance fell to them at four, I think they would have taken Trey Lance. So we'll see. We'll see. But with the quarterback class that's looking really good next year, spearheaded by C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young, Maybe the Falcons wait on a quarterback till next year and draft a wide receiver and edge rusher here. I don't know, but I like I like Malik Wills a lot, and I think the Falcons could move for him if 
if they feel desperate enough. Uh, number nine, the Seahawks, Derek Stingley. Their secondary stinks. They lost Shaquille, Shaquem, was it Shaquem? Shaquille Griffin to the Jacksonville Jaguars last offseason. Did really nothing to replace him. They had one of the worst pass defenses in all of college football, or all of college football. All of the NFL getting up 265.5 yards per game, which ranked second from the bottom of the NFL in pass defense, and also allowed their teams, opposing teams, to complete about 68% of their passes against them. Like their secondary is bad. And when you look at the Seahawks, yes, tackle makes a lot of sense. Their O line stinks. When you look at what the Seahawks have done over the past however many years, they have been spearheaded by a good defense. And with the Seahawks sitting there at nine, I think their opportunity to take the best corner, the best corner available, would appease them more than taking the top tackle that's available, if that makes sense. Maybe I'm wrong, but I just feel like Derek Stingley feels like a Seattle, future Seattle Seahawks player. And number 10, again, I hear about him going earlier, but Garrett Wilson going number 10 to the Jets, I think he'll go to the Falcons. I'm spoiling Mock Draft 5.0 for you. It's been four days since this draft's come out. My opinion was bound to change at some point. This wasn't going to be a perfect draft. It was on Friday. And then as you get close to the draft, the more and more change, your mind changes about certain things. And then, yeah, this is one of them. Garrett Wilson, I think, will be the number one receiver off the board. But that doesn't change. Whether it's to the Jets or to the Falcons, I think he'll be the number one receiver off the board. I think Jameson Williams, he's building up a lot of steam to be the number one receiver off the board. But Garrett Wilson's healthy, so I think that helps him out a lot. The Jets will draft an edge rusher and a wide receiver. There's the two positions they've been trying to fill this entire offseason with trades. It just seems like that's the direction they're going with their first two picks in the draft. Other than that, out of the rest of this draft, positions of note that you you might find fun, nothing. <laughs> no, Desmond Ritter going to the Steelers at 20. Uh, Desmond Ritter is going to be a first-round quarterback. I don't know where he's going to go. At least that's what it feels like he's going to be a first round. I guess I shouldn't guarantee that because anything can happen in this draft, apart from you know a quarterback going number one overall. I can guarantee that. They just drafted one first overall last year. They're not the Cardinals. Trevor Lawrence was not that bad, and they've got no links. Doug Peterson does not have any links to current college quarterbacks, and no one compares to Kyler Murray. So that's not happening. But the Steelers, Mike Tomlin's been very vocal in regards to getting the, a mobile quarterback. He fits that mold from the Steelers, a bigger quarterback, 6'4", about two. 15 to 20 bigger dude strong arm played in cold weather cities before in Cincinnati in the AAC so yeah I think Desmond would be an awesome fit for the Steelers if if Malik Willis is not available because Malik Willis is the guy that seems like they really like and remember last year we talked about Najee Harris they said they wanted Najee Harris early they drafted Najee they have been very vocal or at least seemingly vocal about drafting Malik Willis if he's there they're going to take Willis I have no doubt. I think they if they do do a trade, I think trade up to seven with the Giants makes a lot of sense. If we're talking about a possible trade for the Steelers, I think seven and possibly like 15 to the Eagles or something like that. Go in-state trade right there. Uh, the Buffalo Bills, we had them drafting uh, Andrew Booth, corner from Clemson. I wanted Brees Hall here again. I wanted him really bad. I love the idea of Brees Hall playing in Buffalo. I think the Bills are an extremely one-dimensional team and adding someone like Brees Hall would add another dimension that they don't have. But they need help in the secondary. They need a lot of help in the secondary. Or not a lot. I say a lot. They don't need a lot of help. But they could use some help in the secondary. Get a corner partner, Tredavious White, who's going to be out for at least a month to start the season coming off a torn ACL he got during Thanksgiving against the Saints. So corner and running back seem like the top two options for the Bills right now. At least coming from me. Could be completely wrong about that. But we'll come up. We'll come. We'll talk more about this. I don't want to talk about this too much because, again, 
we've got a draft coming out in a week. So the real draft's coming up on Thursday, next Thursday. So we've got opinions have changed. So I'm not really as <laughs> jumping for joy with this mock draft as I was when I first released it. But it's a fun one. I really enjoy this mock draft. We had Daxon Hill going to the Lions at 32. Christian Watson going to the Chiefs at 30. So, like, it's a fun one. But I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm in love with it as much as I was when I first posted it. And even then, I wasn't really that in love with it. I just like it. I love releasing mock drafts. So when I had one that I kind of liked, I was going to move for it. So that's what we ended up doing. But, man, I don't even remember what all we've talked about today. I, I feel like there were some other things that I really want to talk about. I think I'm going to save some of this for Friday. But there was something that I saw on Instagram today. It was from the Buffalo Fanatics Instagram page. And it was asking question, do the Bills have the best big four in the NFL? So I did take the liberty before the show started to come up with each team's big four. So we got the top four players to me are most important players on each team in the NFL for every single team, all 32 teams. And then I narrowed it down between the top eight, which is the best team from each division, and put them in order to see who the true best number one team in the NFL is in regards to their big four. So we're going to save that for Friday. I think we talked about a lot about the NFL draft to top three position players and all that stuff. We got Derek Carr, contract extension. Give a round of applause for that. But yeah, that's all we really have for you today. I don't really have a lot more to talk about. We want to stick at draft. I mean, it was mock draft 4.0 day. We had to talk about mock draft 4.0. I want to do some, some positional rankings as well. We talked about top position or favorites. Then we did top three, and then we'll have the official one either on Monday or Wednesday. It'll be out before the draft, okay? Just just remember that. It'll be out before the draft. But I hope you enjoyed today's episode, because I certainly didn't. But you know what? <laughs> it doesn't matter. I'm going to take the L, and we're going to we're gonna told it, and we're going to post the show anyways. So if you heard it, I mean, hey, we made it all the way through the show, even though it turned out kind of bad. You know what? It's whatever. It is absolutely whatever. I'm tired. I'm sorry. So, yeah, with that being said, I hope you enjoyed it. If not, again, I apologize, but make sure you're following Logan Blackman Show on all forms of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and, of course, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Leave a rating on five stars on both. Twitter account, Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram is Blackman Logan. The show's Instagram account is the Logan Blackman Show 1. Uh, Facebook and YouTube are the same, just Logan Blackman Show. Give a like to the Facebook page. Make sure you're following and subscribe to the Logan Blackman Show on YouTube. And, again... Apple Podcasts and Spotify, you're listening right now. My Trap 4.0 links will be all over my social media pages, so make sure you're following those. Instagram, we're going to post them on my stories, so make sure you stay tuned for that. You can add me on LinkedIn as well if you really want to. Just search Logan Blackman. So, yeah, that's all I've got for you today. Hope you enjoyed it. If not, again, I apologize, but I will see you all later. Peace.